first, I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of Marcia Shepard. She's my best friend next to John. She's been my best friend for since we were 14 years old, so 50-some years. And I love this person with all of my heart. She's just beautiful inside and out. I want to show you another picture of Marcia too, okay? <laughs> this is the picture that I would always think of Marcia because since we were in eighth grade, hundreds of times I have turned around because she said, hey, Patty, and I've turned around only to see a big... Uh, lemon rind in her mouth. Because you got to understand something about Marcia Shepard. She has as a core value to laugh. I mean, she just loves to laugh. Marcia doesn't have a good day if she doesn't laugh or make somebody else laugh. Well, John and I know that about Marcia. And so a few years ago, a number of years ago, we were in Walmart one day and we were walking past Big Mouth Billy Bass. As we were walking by him, we heard this. <laughs> I wanna know, can you help me? got to get that for Marcia because she will love that and they had another one called Tommy Trout Travis Trout and so he got two of them and he said I'm going to send these to Marcia knowing that she would laugh her head off but he didn't just stop there John also um, went home and on his computer he made a fish of the month club you can't see this but this is an official letter that he sent along with this guy and it said this. Now, this is all he's making this up, okay? He said, congratulations. You have been chosen as the latest member of the Fish of the Month Club. Each month, you will get one of these fish. Goes on to explain it about every four to six weeks. You will receive an exciting addition to the fabulous Fish of the Month Club collection of lifelike fish. This beautifully mounted replica of a real-life fish will be a tasteful addition to any decor. And he goes on to explain it, including about the batteries on it. He says, your exclusive Fish of the Month Club benefits are... Let me tell you two of the benefits. I don't have time to tell you all of them. He says... One benefit is the joy of knowing you're contributing to the preservation of the environment. <laughs> These fish are fantastic, look-alike replicas. No real fish are being killed. You can be assured that a fish looking just like the one on your wall is actually swimming in a river someplace in America. Benefit number two, you will never be lonely again. things are too quiet around your house, anytime you're discouraged or down, all you have to do is walk by the fish and it will burst into song as long as you choose the battery operated uh, option. And he goes on to tell other benefits. Well, he sent this to Marcia thinking she's going to laugh her head off and she's going to say, John Bray, you are just stupid. Marcia thought it was real. <laughs> she also is a bit naive. And she thought it was real, and she calls me telling me about this stupid thing she got in the mail. She got Billy Bass. She thought that was funny, but she thought she was so upset because he tells her in this that it only 
costs $19.95 plus $7.95 shipping and handling. And she's like, I'm not going to pay it. I'm not going to pay it. So a couple days later, she gets this. Uh, dear customer, our records show that you have received one of our all-time favorite fish of the month club fish, Billy Bass. People everywhere howl in laughter whenever he breaks into the rendition of Take Me to the River. Have you had to lock your door to keep your neighbors away? <laughs> I think this is funnier than you do. Some people, <laughs> some people say that in order to get their friends to leave, they have to tell them that Billy has to go to bed. Wow, what fun! And he goes on to tell her, now that you have Travis Trout and another bill for the same price. He includes this, another letter that says at the top, notice the National Enquirer recently published a story about a woman in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, Florida, who allegedly put Fish of the Month Club, Billy Bass, and Travis Trout on the same shelf. She claims that they mated, and their offspring only sing heavy metal, satanic, acid rock music. <laughs> there is no truth to this rumor. <laughs> We have diligently studied the membership list of the Fish of the Month Club, and we have found no members in Tuscaloosa, Florida. And he goes on to explain, and with more bills. Well, she's been calling me. She's been saying, I'm, now Marsha never gets mad, ever. And she's calling me, and she's just so upset over this. She's so furious over this. She says, am I going to have to get a lawyer? Are they going to keep bringing me these fish? And she says, I don't know what to do. And then she gets this letter. Have we disappointed you? <laughs> You're good. You're good. Have our fish of the month club fish failed to hook you with their seductive charm? <laughs> Our records show that you've received two of the fish of the month club fish and we've yet to receive payment and he gives her another bill. He gives her one more, one day. I happen to be on the phone with her when she opens this letter and it says, I, I just happen, just truly happen to be on the phone and she, it says, I'm sorry to inform you that you have been forced, we have been forced to suspend your membership benefits to the fish of the month club because of your failure to remit payment. And he goes on to say, until such payment is received, please remove the batteries. <laughs> also, also, please remove from your wallet any pictures you have of the fish of the month club because you failed to make proper payments. So I'm on the phone when she gets this one, and she's furious. And she just says to me, I am so frustrated with this, I don't know what to do with it. And as she's talking, she, now he's made fake um, addresses, you know, up here. She happens to look down as she's speaking to me, and she sees the, what do you call that thing? Postmark. And the postmark says, Moline, Illinois where I'm from. She looks at it and suddenly she screams out, John Bray! <laughs> I tried to get her to come today because I wanted you to be able to meet her sitting on the front row, but she couldn't do it. Oh man, I love it. I'm gonna tell, I've used that story just because I think it's so funny and I wanted you to laugh this morning. And two, to introduce the fact that I know nothing about fishing, I mean absolutely nothing. 
I just love some words of my Savior who says this about fishing in Matthew chapter 4. Come follow me and I will help you fish for people. And it happened. I mean, Jesus took these unschooled, ordinary men and he made them such fishers of men and women and boys and girls that eventually they turned the world upside down. When, when I think about Jesus longing to make his people fishers of people, I think sometimes we only think about this. We think that means that we get to take someone and we get to pray with them to receive Christ. And we say, well, I'm not really good at that, and so I'm really not a very good fisher of people. But Jesus says some more words, some of the last words that he ever spoke. He says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, teach these new fish to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you to the end of the age. Now, when I combine those two commands of Jesus... It helps me to think about what I just call a fish continuum, a fish spectrum, where people kind of lie on one side of this spectrum. Not everybody is here ready to receive Christ. A lot of people start way down here, and I guess I want to paint a word picture for you using a friend of mine who was in high school at one point. My friend started out way, way over here, man. She wasn't anywhere near ready to receive Christ because she knew nothing about Jesus. I mean nothing. She had never been in church except for a wedding. I'll never forget when she came to church on an Easter Sunday and she said, I had no idea that Easter was about the resurrection of Jesus. She said, I truly thought it was about the Easter bunny. I said, how could you not have known and she looked me in the eye and she said, Patty, how could I have known? Nobody ever told me. She was way over here on the fish spectrum. Now, fortunately, God brought somebody into her life who really began leading the Christ-like life. And this young woman became so intrigued with this Jesus that she started moving on this fish continuum. She just began to make some movement. She did start coming to church. And then some other people began pouring into her life making a difference, causing her to be more and more intrigued about this Jesus. And she made some more movement until one day, one day, man, I'll never forget it. She sat in my office and I got to be a person. I hadn't done that stuff, but I got to sit in my office with her and help her to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. It was an amazing day. But you know what? She wasn't off the spectrum yet at all on the continuum because she still knew nothing about Jesus saying those words and teach them to obey my commands, teach them to be baptized. She knew nothing about that. And so some other people had to come along into her life and help her figure out what it meant to really be a Christ follower. So it's a fishing continuum. Now I'm convinced that everybody in this room tends to be a little more passionate, a little more gifted at helping people somewhere on this continuum. Some of you are just really good at living, swimming out here in the places where the people are far, far from God. 
you're just really good at that. Some of you are really, really gifted and passionate about leading somebody into that personal relationship with Jesus. Some of you tend to be like Patty Bray. You're kind of here on this fish continuum. Man, you just love to take a new fish. You just love to help that fish come to know Jesus, to know what it means to really walk with them, to know what it really means to live a Christ-like life. Where do you fit on that continuum? You fit at different places, but I am convinced, I am convinced that all of us who call Jesus our Savior, all of us who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, all of us are called to be invested in helping people on that continuum. We may be at different places with different gifts and different abilities, but we'd all better be invested at helping the fish. How are you doing with this? I want to help us to decide how well we're doing by looking at an afternoon in the life of Jesus. It's found in John chapter 4. It tells us in John chapter 4 that Jesus is going from the southern part of the country to the northern part of the country, and he said, I must go through Samaria. Now, most Jews wouldn't say that. There was really bad blood between the Samaritans and the Jews, and so most Jews would not have to go through Samaria. They'd take a real long way around because they didn't want to intersect with these Samaritans. But Jesus says, i got to go there. Well, the disciples must be confused about this, but they drop Jesus off so they can go get some food for him. And a tired Jesus sits down at a well. A Samaritan woman comes up, and a conversation ensues between the two of them. And from this conversation, I just really believe that Jesus shows us how to be fishers of people. The first thing that I notice about Jesus in this, the first lesson that he teaches me is this. We just got to open our eyes. We got to notice the fish. I see this actually toward the end of his story when the disciples come back and Jesus says this to them. Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? Nope. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest right now. Now I know I'm going to mix two metaphors here, okay? But for the purpose of this sermon, I would say the harvest that Jesus is talking about is the fish. So to the disciples, he says, the harvest is all around you, but you don't have eyes that are open. You're not even noticing it. And I wonder if Jesus might want to say that to you and to me today right here in this chapel. We can fail to look around and even notice the fish. And I have to ask myself, why? I have to admit, I think it's this. I think we're so focused on us. We're so focused on our problems, on our issues, on our needs, on our wants, on our desires, on how many likes we have on Facebook, that we just neglect to even look around and see the harvest of fish all around us. That's actually what the disciples were doing right here, too. In fact, when they come back, they bring some food to him. And they don't say to him, when they see him with the Samaritan, they don't say, oh, great, Jesus, I'm so glad that you're spending some time with a Samaritan woman. No, they say, uh, Rabbi, you got to eat. And Jesus says this back to them. 
My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Guys, he says, there's something more important here than me and my physical needs. It's more about doing my father's will. And right now, the will of my father is that I intersect with this Samaritan woman and help her to see who the Messiah is. But man, we're just like the disciples a lot of times, aren't we? It's so easy for us to get so concerned about us that our eyes are closed. Um, my daughters worked their way through college partly by being waitresses. They would tell John and me that their fellow waiters and waitresses hated working on two days, two nights of the week. Do you know what those two days and two nights were? Wednesday night and Sunday afternoon, and Sunday night. Do you know why those waiters hated it? Because that's when the Christians came in. And these waiters and waitresses would say, we're here in front of them, and they treat us like they're slaves or like we don't even exist. Plus, they said they don't tip well. I would listen to those stories that my kids would tell me and my heart would just break because I'm thinking right here around those tables where these fish who had already gotten it had fish that didn't have a clue standing inches away from them and all they could do was be focused on themselves. Plus the waiters and waitresses would say they tend to sit there and talk about the people in church. So what was happening? The Christians had their eyes closed. And here were people forming opinions about who Jesus was and who the church was as they listened to these people sitting around them. Oh man, it's just my prayer that you and I would get better in moving over here where the fish are and opening our eyes to them and saying, God, how do you want to use me to help them? Because there are going to be people over here that unless we open our eyes and see them, they're going to spend an eternity in hell without our Savior. Now, some of those fish aren't way over there. Some of those fish do live here. Man, they've accepted, Je they've received Jesus as their Savior. They've begun this relationship with them. They just don't have any more mature fish coming alongside them to say, let me help you figure out to go farther on this fish continuum. Oh, man, that we would be people who open our eyes and notice the fish. How are you doing at opening your eyes? Jesus helps me in another way here when he teaches this lesson to me that we also open our hearts and we care about people. That means we got to intersect with the fish, doesn't it? And that's what Jesus was doing right here. It's what's so surprising to the disciples. Because here is a Jew interacting with a hated Samaritan. Here's a man interacting with a woman. Here's a rabbi interacting with a person on the edge of... A shady life. It's unheard of. But Jesus' heart was not closed to her because of her status, because of her gender, because of her nationality, because of her sinfulness. His heart was open to this woman because he wanted her to know about himself, the Messiah. And I wonder what causes us from opening up our hearts and caring more about the fish that are all around us. I would say this. The fish can be so messy. Messy fish don't usually make us feel very comfortable. Messy fish often present us with more questions than answers. And if you're anything like I am, I'd rather have answers than questions. 
messy fish can sometimes mess with our well-thought-out theology. Messy fish just bring so many problems. Let me tell you about a messy fish that I had to deal with one day. At our church, we were having baptisms, and the Spirit was just working so much that uh, John said to the people, if you want to get baptized today, you go back to one of our pastors, talk with them, and you'll be able to be baptized today. And so uh, I had a man come to me to talk about getting baptized. John said, while we're singing this song, you go back to one of the pastors. And this man named Stephen came up to me. And I began talking with him. And I noticed as I was talking with him that his words were a bit slurred. I noticed that he was kind of wobbling a little bit side to side. I said, uh, Stephen, have you been drinking? He said, oh, no, no, no. Haven't had a drink in two or three days. No, 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 no. And we kept talking further. And I could tell, man, the smell was really just kind of reeking off of him. And I said, Stephen, are you drunk? He said, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not drunk, I'm not drunk, I haven't had a drink for two or three days, kept going on. I said, um, Stephen, I don't think today is a good day for you to get baptized. He's like, well, I'm going to get baptized. I said, Stephen, you're plastered. You can't get baptized plastered. I said, Stephen, if you'll let us, I'll get some guys this week who walk alongside you. They'll help you with the drinking problem. They'll help you to know how Jesus can help you. And he just got really, really mad at me and stomped off. It reminded me that fish can be messy. And dealing with them can be messy. We still got to fish. We still got to open up our hearts to the fish we still have to say, God, here's my heart. Help me to care for people. So we open our eyes and we see them. We open our hearts and we care about them. One more lesson that Jesus teaches me here. We got to open our mouths and speak. Here, um, Jesus engages this woman in conversation. He speaks to her and he really offers her, offers her hope. He says, I can give you living water. He says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a well of water welling up to eternal life. He offers her hope, but he also speaks truth to her. You can never find Jesus not speaking truth to people, even if the truth hurts. He never ignored truth in order to offer someone hope. He says to her, yeah, um, and she interac interacts with her, and, and he says, you have had five husbands, and the man that you're living with right now is not your husband, right? Always spoke truth. But, oh, he also spoke words of welcome. He says, go get your husband. Come on back. Come on back. Let's talk some more. Man, he's an example to me. When God opens up opportunities, how do we do with speaking about him? It's really interesting to me how this woman speaks after he, her conversation with Jesus. She goes back into the town, and she opens her mouth, and she tells everybody, and then everybody wants to come and hear about this Jesus. I think that's what happens often with new fish Christians, don't you? They get caught. And they can't help but tell other people about it. But we who have been swimming in the waters for a long time, we tend to close our mouths and not speak to those who are still floundering. And I wonder, what keeps us 
from talking. I don't know. When I look at my own life, I know it has something to do with fear. I know that it has something to do with um, wondering what the person will think about me. I know it has to do something with thinking, I don't know exactly what to say. Let me give you an example of where I really blew it with this, okay? When I was in my 20s, I start, started working for about a year at this upscale um, um, insurance company. I was a lowly peon there. I was just a file clerk. And I had one of my bosses who was several levels up. His name was Gary. Gary was like drop-dead gorgeous. He was wealthy. He was full of himself. He was arrogant. And I was really intimidated by Gary. Well, a couple of times that year, I remember Gary saying to me, when I would take files to him, I remember him saying this. What makes you so happy? He said, every time you come into my office, it's like you're just really happy. I'd love to tell you that I thought, ooh, here's a fish that's nibbling. I get to open my eyes, open my heart, and open my mouth. And I whiffed. Out of those two to three times that he said that, I mumbled something, oh, I guess it's my personality, I guess it's just a good day. I just whiffed on it. After I left John Deere Insurance, I remember thinking about Gary over and over and over and realizing how much I'd messed up that whole story. I repented over it and said, God, I'm just so sorry. Would you forgive me for whiffing on that? Is that the word, whiffing? For whiffing on that. And I said, God, if you'll help me, if you ever bring Gary back into my life, I'll tell him why I am so, what he sees as happy. Well, I lived in a town in an area of 350,000 people, four different cities, and so the odds are that I might not ever see Gary again. So it was a really kind of easy prayer to pray. Went 10 years, never saw Gary. Went 20 years, never saw Gary. 30 years later, one day, Sunday morning at church, looked over, coming through the door, was Gary. And I'm like, oh, Lord, do I really have to do it? And it's like the Lord said, yeah, I think you do. <laughs> I think you've been praying for this for 30 years. So with my heart just pounding and just really trembling, I went up to Gary and I said, talking really fast, I said, Gary, I'm Patty Bray. You probably don't even remember me, but 30 years ago I worked at John Deere Insurance. You were one of my bosses, and I'd come into your office and give you a file, and you would say, what makes you so happy? And I would not tell you what makes me so happy. And for 30 years I've been praying for an opportunity to speak to you and to tell you that really the reason I was so happy is that I just love Jesus so much, and he's just such an integral part of my life. He overflows me, and if there's any happiness that you see in me, it's Jesus. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this guy's saying, why did I come to church? here today and and I I don't he was he was actually very gracious he was very kind in receiving all of that it reminds me again how easy it is to be fearful of something and keep our mouths shut we tend Charles Spurgeon said something that's so good we tend to think of all we're not we should instead think of all he can make us all he can make us let me tell you another story about another boss that I had. We'll call her Marilyn. Marilyn was an obnoxious, foul-mouthed, mean-spirited person. She was my boss. She didn't like Christians. 
In fact, the first day that I worked there, some fellow employees came to me and said, Marilyn, you just need to know this, that Marilyn said, oh, we've got a pastor's wife that's going to start working with us. And Marilyn said, you watch. We're going to give this woman a hard time. And the first week that I was there, across my desk, along with everybody else's desk, I still don't know how she got away with doing this and not getting fired, but it's kind of the stuff that she just did. Across my desk came um, a dirty cartoon. And Marilyn standing back to watch how it's going to react. And man, she just tried to do whatever she could to make me feel uncomfortable, to make me know that she didn't like me. So I worked with her for a number of months, and after a while, I remember just something, the Holy Spirit just really did a deep work in me, and I remembered my story with Gary, (laughs) and I remember beginning to say, God, I just need to see Marilyn the way you see her. There's got to be some deep pain in her life for her to act the way she does. Lord, would you help me to really see underneath this facade that she is giving, and help me to see her deep need? And then I said, God, would you help me to really care about her? Because, um, I mean, she really makes me feel uncomfortable. And and she kind of makes me ticked at times the way she's treating me. God, would you help me to care about her the way you care about me? And Lord, would you somehow help me to speak to her, to tell her that I'm praying for her? I remember it was late at night, and I was in my bathroom, and I felt it sitting on the floor. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Write her and tell her what you've just prayed. It's like, no, anything but that. She's going to really come at me. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you do it and you do it now. So I wrote her this card telling her my love for her, my concern for her, telling her I'd heard that she was going through a really bad time right then. And if I could ever be anything for her, do anything for her, I would be there. But meanwhile, I'd just be praying for her. Stuck it in the mail, went back to work uh, the day after she received it, and she starts coming towards me. And I'm like, oh, no. She flung her arms around me, and with tears coming to her eyes, she said, Patty, I just want you to know how much I appreciate that card. She said, nobody's ever done anything like that for me in my life. And she said, could we have coffee together? Marilyn and I began developing a friendship. Um, She started coming to church some. She really eventually got it spiritually, married a Christian, and started going to his church with him. She and I kept up over really a couple of decades But for me, that's the picture of this fish continuum, starting with somebody far, far away, but just getting our eyes open to them and continuing to have a heart that cares about people wherever they are, however messy they may be, and then speaking about Jesus to them. You don't have to have all the right words. You just have to let them know you care and that you love the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that you would just love for them to come to know him too. For decades now, I have prayed a prayer that I want to leave with you today. This is just a prayer that I pray sinks deep into you because, man, it touches me. I probably go back and pray to it, pray it on a monthly basis. Somebody said this, set us afire, Lord. Stir us, we pray. While the world perishes, we go on our way purposeless, passionless, day after day. Set us afire, Lord. Stir us, we pray. As the team leads us this morning, I just want to ask you, 
Would you pray that prayer? And would you ask God to give you the names, the faces of a couple of people that are on this fishing continuum? And you just need to begin opening your eyes and your heart and your mouth. Pray that God will break your heart for the fish. Lord Jesus, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you move us? Would you take us to a new place of surrender to you? I pray in your precious name. Amen.